good afternoon, or good morning, wherever you are. My name is Dr. Alberto Rujan with Performance Equine Veterinary Services and Performance Equine Veterinary Services in Ocala, Florida. Today, I am extremely excited to present you my guest, our guest, Mr. Clayton Wilbert from Florida Fair Service. Clayton, thank you so much to be here with us. You're very welcome. This is an exciting time, exciting day, because Clayton is a very, very, very knowledgeable, experienced farrier, and many of you have asked me to talk about feet. So who else but a great farrier to talk to us about feet? First of all, Clayton, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what, what's your business, where you've been, and then we'll take it like that. We'll, do, we'll take a conversational approach to this cool interview. I started this about 28 years ago um, as a young, as an older teenager. And actually, I did my, my, some of my apprenticeship here in Ocala and some of it down where I'm from. Uh, and, you know, life kind of takes you places. You learn that things you learn are not good enough. Things that you have been instilled are not good enough, so you strive to do better. Well, and as you learn and you educate yourself people along the way and those people also lead you into bigger better things or things not to do so you know we have kind of I I think we have kind of taken my wife and I Terry have taken a different path as well business wise uh, our work ethic wise and our principles and so a year and a half ago this led us here to Ocala to, to work with veterinarians, to broaden our horizons, to maybe fulfill that dream of having that podiatry clinic that we now have going. It's not full swing yet, but we now have that going as well, you know, and then in turn, maybe bring into some educational for everyone else. You mentioned that you, you mentioned two things we're going to talk about more. You started when you were a teenager. For these young kids, young men or women who want to get into farrier since they're young, what, how did you start? Can they see how you started this by, by listening to you today? What, how did you do this? Well, me was a little different than my, wasn't a career choice. I was a pro rodeo cowboy had some problems with horses and was stuck on the road and where it wasn't able, didn't know anyone. I was young and was put into a situation that my horse was lamed and I still had two weeks left on the road. So I left a big rope out West, 19 hour drive back, paid entry fees, didn't get to compete. And I got home and I called my ferry and I'm like, make room in the truck for me. I need to learn to do this just to keep myself on the road. And he, he thought I was crazy because I was so young. And I was like, you know, if this is going to be my career path, I need to know something about how to care for my horse when I'm not with you. Well, come to find out, I liked shoeing horses as much as I did rodeoing. And the dividends were a lot higher. And then, you know, I met my wife in that. I did it for a while. I met my wife in that transition and was still rodeoing and shoeing horses. And also in construction, you know, kind of didn't want sure where I was going to go. Well, and I had a, a really good construction job. 
And we finally, when when I woke up at three o'clock in the morning to go to Fort Myers to work, and I told her, I said, get up, I'm done. She goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm done. We took the truck back, left the keys in it, and told them, don't call. That afternoon, I had a part-time job in construction, and I told her, I said, you know, the only time I was truly happy was when I was shooing. So it, the rest is kind of a roller coaster from there. You know, we we just, shooing was not, I was always intrigued by it. I was always intrigued by medicine, shoeing, the metalwork, the biomechanics of it, even as a young person trying to understand what each discipline did and how it affected the animal. Well, today, you know, almost 30 years in, right at about 30 years in, it's actually probably burned stronger today than ever. That is such a cool story. I, I didn't know about that about you. Yep. That is such a great example of follow your passion and things will take care of themselves. Life will take care of itself if you follow your passion. Mm -hmm. that, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. In addition, you mentioned with Terry. So you have been with Terry. She's been with you. And you have been together since the very beginning, since you were rodeoing, then chewing, and then you went into business together. Um, how's that working with your spouse? It's, it's just like anytime you work with your spouse, there's ups and downs. There's nothing pretty along the way. But here's what I have learned. Whether you are working with your spouse, whether you hire someone to do a job, you let them do that job. And that keeps them, that person in their zone and you in your zone. Sometimes they need help. What's great about working with your spouse, they're not scared to come to you and say, I need help. Sometimes that employee that you hire to do that job says, man, if I ask, is she going to find somebody else that don't ask? Well, she knows she's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, matter of fact, I'll be gone before her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 that's great. That's very, very interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's talk, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about horses. Let's talk about what, what's your feeling on this chewing horses? How do you think that chewing horses, trimming horses have changed dramatically in the last 50 years? And if so, what, what has or what hasn't? What are your thoughts on that? Well, yes, it has changed. It has changed, and I don't think the idea of it has changed. What I do think is the understanding of tendons, ligaments, joints, function, biomechanics of each individual type of discipline. And, I mean, just, just, just like I have some barns that I work at, and, all, and both of these barns are FEI high-level dressage horses, Olympic-level dressage horses. Little things like as farriers, we should pay attention to shoe wear. Why one barn has more lamenesses than the other? Was creating that? Is it the rider? Is it the exercise program? Is it the farrier? Is it whatever goes through that? And the reason I think we deal with these roller coasters is we go from barn to barn and we have our style of shoeing and we should be able to adapt to an extent, we can't fix them if the horse is being ridden improperly, but a different style can change the way you shoe that horse. And at the end result, 
They go to the Olympics and are battling out head to head. So, and, and it's the same with medicine, just like you probably see. You'll treat the same discipline. Horses, I feel, it's just like we are, but you'll treat, the, treat different trainers' horses differently with, because you know that trainer's protocol. No different. If fairies are no different. So I think with the biggest problem with horseshoeing today is we go to school. We get out of school and they say, I'm a farrier. Uh-huh. And they don't get with a seasoned guy and do a, a, a meaningful, timeful apprenticeship. So they don't learn those nuts and bolts of this rider, that rider. And I was using those barns, for example. One of these barns, dressage horses, just wear the heels of the shoes off in five weeks. They're just, the numbers are gone. They're rockered the whole nine yards. The other barn I'm talking about, and they're both riding in GG foot, GT, GGT footing, very accomplished riders, very well. They only wear a shoe off from midsection to the toe. That's a difference in how those horses are being ridden. Now, if we don't adapt to that, now we have soundness issues. And that's kind of where I feel the fair industry is lacking. And the old school mentality was we took a foot and we guessed about where the coffin bone was and we tried to put it in the middle of it medial laterally, distal palmer. So now we have all these great radiographs of ultrasounds to check these ligands, tenements, all this stuff. We have MRIs. We didn't have that back then. And I think all this technology that we have now sometimes confuses these young guys and they don't know how to use it. And it's not their fault. It is and it isn't. You know, the ones that are reaching out there for help that aren't getting it, they're not to blame. The ones that go, my favorite, I don't need a radiograph. Yes. As yes, a you do. Mm. You know, if a client looks at me and breathes the thought of a radiograph, I'm like, can we get them now? So I think the understanding of it is the problem. And and when the understanding is not there, the quality goes down. Lack of education. Great, great point. Great point. Can you tell us how do you daily basis a radiograph to show a horse? What? How does that help you? Well, first, I, I, when I, when you guys take radiographs, I ask you about pathologies. What is wrong? What are you seeing? Now, I might get a radiograph from you. And you go, we got a suspensory ligament, medial branch or whatever. Well, now I will use that radiograph to check my medial lateral imbalance, if there is any. If that's okay, well, now we'll use that radiograph to get leverage off that branch and support that branch. And that's just to soft tissue injuries nowadays, suspensory ligaments. I mean, they're a dime a dozen, especially with putting out. That's no hidden secret, uh-huh. you know. And... And that footing has its benefits for sure, but it has its cons as well. So, you know, if, if you don't know how to manipulate a suspensory branch, 
or something like that. You need to learn it. Radiographs will help you shoe that horse therapeutically correct to get there. And then it's up to the vet's job to do the follow-up ultrasounds. And I will ask the client, when you do your follow-up ultrasounds, can we shoot laterals and DPs of this horse when you go? Because that monitors my work. Uh-huh. There's no room for error. And if, if there was one thing that I could have day-to-day and it was cost-effective as a farrier and legally correct, would be an x-ray machine on my rig. Yep, I agree. And I think it should be utilized. I think, and these these horses, I don't care if it's a high-level horse or not. If you, if it's a $500 horse in the backyard, to the right person, that horse is worth a million dollars. That horse should be radiographed yearly. Horses that are performing hard, working at an athletic level, high athletic, should be twice yearly. And that's how I feel. A great, those are great points. I'm learning from. I'm learning from these interviews <laughs> a lot. That's absolutely. And to me, that is not. That's not going and hunting for problems. That is maintenance. Should be maintenance. That's awesome. This is going to be a great point to take a break, and we'll come back to our next episode. Talk a lot more then about anatomy and a little bit more about balance some biomechanics and some food problems. We'll be back.